Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Jeremy White, Bert Deister with you on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It. You guys are back to regular hours. We are, which is nice. So we're open Monday to Friday, 11 to 7, Saturday 10 to 4, and closed every Sunday. Closed Sunday to observe the playoff game you for the Bills it. and, and the And hopefully Jaguars. maybe a couple more. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Good that you're going to be home for that. All right, so All right. Uh, let's get caught up on th- some things. Last week we did first-time home brewing. Uh, so if you want to find any episode that we have, it's on demand at uh, WGR550.com or at uh, ESPN1520 as well. Taste the Buffalo homebrew competition. The latest on this? We're getting close to the deadline. So the deadline is the 20th of January. So you only have about another two weeks. So it's kind of too late to brew something now. But if you have some beers in secondary, you may want to try to get them in bottles. you still got time to condition. Um, and that's about it kind of light beer categories check out uh, their website to see the kind of details as far as the individual styles but there are a lot of styles open all of them are kind of in the lighter alcohol range but yeah cool price if you win everybody's going to be drinking your beer at taste of buffalo very good so yeah get in on that the taste of homebrew taste of buffalo homebrew competition i know they're really excited about it i got some emails some uh, correspondence from the people at the taste of buffalo and, um, you know, you're always looking for ways to kind of crank up your event. I think home brewing is a great way to do it yeah. for, uh, for this. And I think having beers traditional for events is, I mean, something that you see around the world. You see, like, Oktoberfest, they have a particular beer. Or for, you know, different, uh, you know, holidays in England, they'll be tend to have different beers. It's We're doing the same thing here. So we can have a beer particular for a festival. All right. One thing we can talk about today, uh, low-calorie beer. Yeah, because I heard you were trying to take it easy. Well, my, my wife and I were trying to do the no-sugar diet for like 30 days, and uh, we've switched our everything we're eating, and that means no alcohol. We haven't exactly 100% adhered to that. Yeah. You know, funny thing happens on the way to the Bills making the playoffs. You start a diet that involves no alcohol, and you immediately say, well, there's a game on Sunday. We're going to want to drink beer. Cheat day? And since we're drinking on well, right. Since we're drinking on Sunday, maybe we just don't start the not drinking part until once the Bills are knocked out of the playoffs. Yeah. So, kind of halfway to that thing. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, I um. And I, the last time we talked too, you were having a growing affinity for imperial stouts, which would probably be the worst of the worst when you're talking about not only calorie content alcohol. but also complex and you know simple carbohydrates, yeah. especially. I had a. I got a six-pack of Lagunitas coffee stout and some sort of Willa, Will, I don't know. The nice thing about it is any stouts that you put away now at the start of your diet here will have only gotten better by the time you uh, give in. And the beers that I've brewed, I think the the two best I ever made were, I was a porter and a stout. I made a bourbon stout that was awesome, so I got to get back to that because... You know, if you are a stout fan like me, uh, drinking your own would probably be better. But there are definitely better options for lower calorie beers. Yes, yes, and we can talk about a couple of them. You don't have to go necessarily to a beer that's branded for low calorie because there's a lot of other styles out there that are. And there's a couple of things when you're trying to look at low calorie or particularly low carbohydrate beers, which is the kind of thing we want to focus on more because that's what we're going to be processing. Really look at the terminal gravity of the beer. So dry finished beers are going to have you know less overall carbohydrates so the classic example is always guinness which i think comes in somewhere in around 80 uh calories 
So mm-hmm. really not that bad. It really compares to some of the light beers, but any beer with a low finishing gravity, things like roasted malts and hops are not necessarily adding any calories. Um, and when you look at it, so your Imperial Stout, say at like 8%, you know what I mean, has six times the calories of one Guinness, but only double the alcohol. So if you're trying to watch that sticking towards those lighter beers, not only is it going to be, you know, easier on the belly, it's also going to be easier on the, the kidneys and, you know, the liver and, and just generally on your hydration as well. So sticking to lower finishing gravity beers will really make a difference. And there's some things you can do in your own brewing trying to keep the overall alcohol down and shooting for five percent you're going to limit those that terminal gravity because the yeast attenuation sometimes begins to go down as you give it more sugar but it goes all the way back to mashing mash at a lower temperature mash a little bit longer to help get those dry finished beers that are going to be lower in calorie so you don't have to go for a big brand you know, gimmicked low-calorie beer in order to get a low-calorie beer. Okay. So today, what's on the show? Ice distillation? This is a phrase I've never even heard of. exact opposite. Okay. So if you're trying to make a beer or a cider higher calorie, higher alcohol, this is what you want to do. And I figured ice distillation is a good topic for a cold weather spell like this. Um, uh, Alcohol has a lower boiling point and a lower freezing point than water. So in heat distillation, we capitalize that by heating the liquid and the alcohol will begin to uh, evaporate or begin to, you know, uh, boil off and then condensate later. When we're doing cold distillation or ice distillation, sometimes called ice jacking, you're taking the fermented beverage and you're bringing the temperature way down. So you're working that same difference in freezing points and boiling points, but you're, instead of taking off the alcohol, you're taking off the water. Um, But we still end up with, again, a concentrated beverage. I mean, the classic that we all think about this is Applejack. And so this was a Mm -hmm. traditional beverage. You'd make basically an apple cider out of apple juice uh, in the fall. And then when it got to the really cold weather, you would begin freezing it to take off the water. Um, And you would end up with this kind of, you know, almost like I would say a a brandy. It's going to be high alcohol. It's going to be sweet. You may want to oak age it. um, And it's going to be a great drink for, say, after dinner. Um, And again, if you have something in the basement, this cold smell might be the perfect time to try to get something going. Um, Well, both methods produce concentrated alcohol. The final product is obviously very different. With heat distillation, you get the alcohol, some water, some phenols, some esters, but otherwise, most everything else is left over in the pot. Every, you know, all the tannins, uh, sugars, that kind of stuff is left behind. So the final product is obviously clear, you know, has some scents, those are those phenols and esters, but otherwise, the flavors are pretty low. Whereas when you do ice distillation, you keep all the flavor, if not concentrate it, just like you do the alcohol. Um, because you're taking away only the water, uh, many of the flavors, whether they're good or bad, are going to be concentrated. So the resulting beverage is going to be sweeter, darker, and kind of overall a richer flavored product than what you started with. Um, the most popular styles for this are usually, again, the Applejack, so you make a cider, or icebox, but there's a lot of other freeze-distilled beverages that kind of are, you know, more and more popular. I mean, we think of the non-ice beers. I mean, you think of like Molson ice and iced lager. Um, you think of some barley wines end up becoming ice to try to jump the alcohol, as well as some imperial stouts will work as well, too. Um, 
And again, this is going to be sweeter. It's going to be again higher calorie, um, higher alcohol, and really something that's going to be for sipping on nice cold nights. It's not a coincidence that making it ice distilling, and it's the kind of thing that you would make in winter and the kind of thing that you would want to drink also in yes, the winter. Yes, but it's sadly, seasonally appropriate. Yeah, sadly, you should have started fermenting it in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always best to start off with kind of a fermentation designated for ice distillation. And again, the major reason is everything's going to be uh, concentrated. So if you have a bad beer, ice distilling will take those flavors and make them even worse. Um and so kind of setting out ahead of time so you have a chance to age the beer in secondary. Let all those, you know, phenols and, and all those like acetaldehyde, diacetyl die back so that when you get to the ice jacking that none of those elements end up getting boosted up over your century threshold and all of a sudden um, really become apparent. And the reason is once you've concentrated the alcohol and you've you know basically frozen it, dropping out all the yeast, they're no longer going to be there to break down those off flavors. So again, you got to take care of those before the ice jacking purpose. So if you're listening to the show today, and hopefully by tonight it's warming up a little bit, um, you're gonna you're a little bit too late. Yeah. probably get another cold spell. So there's trying to start one, um, but don't necessarily go to the basement and find your most questionable project in a secondary and decide, I'm going to ice this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not quite what it's for. Um, you could try it in small bits with different beverages if you want to do a gallon here or there. It's going to you know work a lot quicker. Um, but again, you really want a fully aged, clean product before throwing it in the deep chill. The other thing you kind of want to watch out for is your finishing gravity. You kind of want to take a look at that. You want a low finishing gravity to start. You can always boost it up with if you're doing, say, cider, table sugar, or apple juice concentrate if you need to later. Um, If you're doing beer, you can always boost up that terminal gravity after the jacking with uh, maltodextrin. But you can't bring it back down unless you are willing to add water back to it. So... When you are making a beer, when you're making something, shoot low on that finishing gravity because, again, it's going to jump up. Like say farmhouse cider, the low tannins, you know, uh, high acids, the uh, lower sugar content tend to make it great for Applejack um, because that low finishing gravity is usually going to double. Uh, that alcohol content is going to double. Those tannins are also going to double, and it tends to make it a much richer product. Now, you can still carbonate these products as well. You have to add yeast back in, and you usually end up with champagne yeast. Um, it may not carbonate it as much as you'd like because the champagne yeast is going to be stressed, but you can throw some champagne yeast in there, and you can get this to carbonate again. So I would point you towards cider making. You can still get apple juice to make cider from a lot of the local mills. Again, they're really going to have it until the end of the cold weather or until they run out because they you know, freeze or keep the apples near freezing and then press them as they go. So if you, you know, head down to Mayor Brothers, Cherry Bank, Far Blackman, sorry if I'm sending people towards you guys and you are out of cider already, but they they will press until they are out of apples. Um, So you can still get some and you don't necessarily have to do it on the coldest night. There are people who do put these in their freezers if you have the space and you can do it there. When it comes to storing these, if like say you've done it and you want to keep them long term, how well do they keep? Uh, with the apple cider, I do like to add a little bit of ascorbic acid 
before I start the, uh, you know, the uh, ice distilling process, um, just to prevent it from changing color, and that sorbic acid is going to stick around in the bottles as well, so that it doesn't change color and become a little bit brown in the bottles. Um, but other than that, because you're, again, you're concentrating alcohol, you're concentrating acids, you're only taking the preservation that it would have had and basically amplifying it. How to do this? Yeah, ultimately? so you've already, you've fermented something, you kept the, the you know, the finishing gravity low, uh, you've measured your alcohol, see so that you know where these are going to end up. Now you actually need to do it. And there's a couple of different ways that you can do it. Um, I think the easiest and, and the kind of one of the most traditional ways is to grab a metal vessel, uh, usually a stainless steel pot or a small spaghetti pot, and find a cold place to set it. Obviously, this time of year, it's, it's anywhere outside. If you are really into this and, and you don't want to count on the weather, people do grab a chest freezer, a small, like, you know, small size chest freezer. They can maybe putting a thermostat on it. Usually you don't need it. And that way you don't have to count on the weather in order to, you know, make your Applejack. If you were looking at last year and you were counting on weather to, you know, make your Applejack, you might have never got there. And that temperature, how cold you're going to be able to get, is going to affect how much water you're going to be pull, you know, be able to pull off the product and therefore how concentrated you're going to be able to get it. All right, that's on the other side as we continue here on Niagara Traditions Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Back here on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520, Ice Distilling. Ice distillation, how to uh, turn those ciders into nice apple brandy style stuff yeah. and assorted processes as well. How to do it. How to do it. So first, what, what I usually do, and I like this mess, is grab a metal pot. I get a good stainless steel metal strainer. I rack the beverage into the pot. I don't just dump it in there. And then I take it outside and I set it in a clear open spot on the driveway in the coldest night I can find. You don't want to bury it in the snow. The snow will actually act as insulation. Same thing when you're bringing your wort outside to cool down. If you put it in the snow, you're going to create a small air gap as it kind of melts the snow around it, and it's going to keep it warm. Um, so set it out in someplace open. Usually I keep the top on it just so no snow or debris blows into it. It would chill faster without, but I'm just worried about dust and anything else that might be blowing around. So I leave the top on, and every little while I come back with my strainer, and I begin to mix it and scoop the ice off the top. When the ice forms, it will float up to the top. Some will stick to the sidewalls of the uh, bucket, and I begin taking it off the top with a strainer. Um, this allows me really nice control. The other really popular method, and usually you want to start this in a plastic bucket, is to just simply set it out there and let it completely freeze. And then hopefully, not always, but hopefully when you come back, you're going to find a liquid ball 
in the center of a big ice bucket. So you then got to pull out your drill, pull out a flat bit, begin either hacking or drilling into the center to get to this liquid, and then use a you know racking cane to then get it out. Um, so it will begin to ruin whatever vessel you're doing this in. It may not leak then because it's you know the outer layer is frozen. But the next time you go to use this bucket, this is something you don't want to do in stainless steel. You don't want to do in glass. Obviously, you want to do it in plastic. And just a word to the wise, it may ruin the vessel. You may not be able to use it again. So it's best to look at your oldest plastic bucket, one that you're probably going to replace anyways, um, and then again, allow it to completely freeze and drill into it. You do sometimes, if it, you know it's a bucket you're not going to use again. It freezes at the top, and I, and I would have to drill through like 18 inches to get down to like 10 inches. Yeah, you go to this. Yeah, the bucket's pretty much ruined. I, okay. I just go ahead and like tap it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have done this once or twice. And my biggest problem with it is, one, the, the biggest advantage is you don't have to be going outside every half an hour all night on the coldest night of the winter. So that's a huge advantage to doing the ice bucket. You just set it out there and you leave it. And again, the problem is you don't really have any control of how it's freezing. With the scooping, you know you're pulling off just pretty much water and you can watch the volume. You can either take gravity readings and, and look and to kind of have a guess if you, you know, started out at a finishing gravity of five, you're now up to, you know, like say 10, you've taken away half the water. Um, but if you're doing this freezing process, you get whatever concentration you get in the long run and you will probably leave some alcohol behind frozen in the ice and you might have to rehydrate it to get it to something palatable. Um, so I always prefer the scooping method, even though it sends you outside about every 15 to 30 minutes on the coldest night of the winter. Hmm. So not only are you going to be cold, you're not going to be popular because you keep opening up the back door over and over. Right, every, right. every 30 minutes, you're sending a cold blast into the house. Um, but again, I think it really works better because it allows you better tracking for where you're at for your gravities. Um, and again, that's something you want to pre-plan for ahead of time. So to kind of give you some numbers, usually for beers, I'm reducing the content by about 30%. Um, so a 5%, 13 IBU, 10 points of finishing gravity box. So if I hit all my numbers perfectly, I'm able to scoop off about 30% of the water. I'm going to end up with a box that's 7.5%, 20 IBUs, and a 20 uh, points of finishing gravity. And so that would be ideal if I hit all my numbers. Um, but that doesn't always happen. So you may have to add distilled water back in with the cider or, you know, sometimes if you do, uh, like if you have a low acid wine or, um, sometimes if people are trying to do almost like a malt liquor, you might be going a little bit more and you may be taking off 50% of the content, uh, right away so you're going to more than double everything so uh, again so what when you do that that cider that was five points of finishing gravity at five percent is now ten percent and ten points of finishing gravity you may want to add a little bit of sugar back into it um but that really kind of gives you a good idea of where you're going to be at if you can do the numbers ahead of time if you can do the scoop if you can force yourself to get out there you know what I mean? Every half an hour and start scooping water and look at that volume, you're going to hit your numbers right away on the first time. Um, again, doing the bucket, you kind of end up always freezing it more than you would like. You end up with a little bit of struggle getting it out of there, and then you have to add distilled water or something back to kind of bring, you know, rehydrate it a little bit. Of the two methods, whether it's heat or ice, which do you prefer? Well, again, they get you two different products. One thing we can say, 
ice is legal, yeah. so that's a big factor. Um, whereas heat distillation without a license or for you know consumption uh, is technically illegal in New York State. Um, so that makes it one preferred. <laughs> but the other thing too that I, that I always I point guess, for ice on being legal. legal. Yep. Yeah. Um, and another point because we're keeping the flavors. Often with dis- heat distillation, you're fermenting a junk product. You know, like we'll think of potatoes and you know vodka or whiskey and uh, corn. And, and and I think there is. Um, some, we'll say, uh, I don't know how to you know best say it, but there there is some pride I think in those people to take something that's otherwise for the cows, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. turn it to something that we will put in a fancy bottle and revere. But there's a lot of work into that, and you're really not saving many of the flavors from the original product. You're creating them during fermentation, but especially oak aging. Whereas when you do an applejack, you're really bringing through those taste. If anybody's ever had a distilled apple project that wasn't like reconstituted with apples, there's really no apple flavor left. Um, whereas you make an applejack or something like that, there's tons of apple flavors. All these flavors that you weren't pulling out and the juice and the cider have now been concentrated, especially the tannins, and you really taste everything. Um, and that makes, I think, a huge difference to me to why I want to do the ice jacking. Um, again, and it's also, it's safer. Um, a lot less money required. You need an old bucket or a strainer and a spaghetti pot. You don't need any specialized equipment. Um, and if you have cabin fever and you're stuck in the house, um, this is something you can kind of take for a weekend project um, as far as you know, having one night to rack it and freeze it, then another night to kind of, we'll say, get your numbers right on for sweetness, for you know, uh, volume, and then bottle it. So it's a really good weekend project for a really cold weekend like the one we're getting. Mm-hmm. And I guess I can address one question I get that um, people always ask is why not just make a stronger beverage? And it goes back to something that we talk about always with the, the yeast. The yeast have better flavors and produce a smaller percentage of off flavors um, when they're fermented at a lower temperature which brings their overall attenuation down in their alcohol tolerance, um, but also in a lower gravity solution. So by making a 10% cider and then ice jacking it to, say, 18%, even though you could have fermented it up to 18%, that ice jacked cider at 18% is going to taste a lot better because during the fermentation, during the aging, you did not stress the yeast. So they had a healthy fermentation. They produced healthy flavors. And then you're just making all those nice flavors stronger. Whereas, again, when you go right for trying to ferment something to 18%, you can create a lot of problems during the fermentation, stress out the yeast, and really end up with off flavors. Um, now, that's not to say that some people don't make a cider or, you know, say a, a barley wine or something to almost 16 18%, and then ice jacket to get it even higher. Um, you do start to have... Um, problems, say after 30%, 35% alcohol, um, depending on the temperature, it will stop freezing at that point. But once you're you know, breaking 30% alcohol, you're kind of out of the you know, normal fermented beverage range and into the kind of booze liqueur you know, alcohol range. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good way to jump up the alcohol. Again, the projects that you make with this, you're going to be able to sell or save for years. Don't sell them. Um, and, 
yeah, they'll really be worth the one night. So this Applejack that you have around for three, four years will be worth the one night of stepping outside every 30 minutes in the cold. All right. Two minutes left. What do we do? What do we say? Tribute to the Bills, a Bills brew, a – I don't know. It's playoff weekend. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I think a lot of people are, you know, brewing this weekend. They, you know, other weekend plans. I think the combination of the weathers and the Bills yeah. playoff, there's going to be a lot of people staying inside uh, Saturday, <laughs> this weekend. Saturdays in the fo- football playoffs are a great time to do some brewing. You know, I yeah. mean, if you're pumped for the Bills game on Sunday, you've got nothing to do today and trying to figure out, like, what are you going to do to occupy your mind until then? Well, brew. I, I Maybe because, again, it's a little bit of pre-planning. I have four kegs on tap, got a bunch of bottles. Got wine. I'm ready to go for the weekend. Break the fourth wall here. Pre-recording. If everything goes well, I'm actually going to be either out on Chautauqua Lake or Lake Erie. Oh. We're recording this right now. So I will be out there today bearing the elements. And then so when I come inside and sit inside tomorrow, it's going to feel that much warmer. Have you ever brewed on a lake? No. Is it something you've thought about? I know. We, we've brewed with river water. But I mean, like when it was a, nice and warm. As though. you're ice fishing, as you're out on like a, it, it, there's I have to carry enough propane just to keep myself warm <laughs> yeah. out there. I, I can't afford any extra to try to boil five all gallons right. of water for. I three just figured, hours. you know, why not combine all the best things? Yes, if if somebody has done it, God bless you, you know. But that's a lot to carry out on ice and a lot to heat up. Yeah, you don't want to go through that ice. Right, that's for right. Sure. It's right. even colder underneath. Well, oh. It's actually warmer, but it's going to feel colder. Yeah, it's going to feel pretty cold. Oh yeah. All right, that's it for us. Uh, enjoy your brewing this weekend. Enjoy the Bills game. We are back next week. Uh, again, open today, 10 to 4, closed close on Sunday, tomorrow. back to regular hours. So close tomorrow as we all hunker down for that Bills game. Oh, yeah. Go Bills. Go Bills. Jeremy White, Burt Deister here on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN 1520. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.